On November 30th, 2022, Treasury and IRS published guidance on the Inflation Reduction Act's prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirements. The publication of guidance, guidance on November 30th starts the 60-day period, meaning in order to receive increased incentives, taxpayers must meet the prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirements for facilities where construction begins on or after January 29th, 2023. Welcome, my name is Mark Cooter. I'm a tax partner with Cherry Beckard and head of our real estate and construction practice. Uh, Ron Wainwright is with me, and we're going to talk a little bit about this uh, prevailing wage and apprenticeship program and how to maximize the incentives that may be available for you and your project. This is the first podcast of four on the prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirements and challenges in compliance. So with that, Ron, maybe a quick brief introduction, and uh, then we'll get started. Great, Mark. Thank you. And thank you for our listeners today. So my name is Ron Wainwright. I'm a tax partner, a strategic tax partner with Cherry Becker and located in our uh, Raleigh, North Carolina office. And I'm fortunate to work uh, with Mark uh, significantly with respect to our real estate and construction industry. All right. So, Ron, can you give us a little bit more background on the context under the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 and what we're kind of talking about here? Uh, great question, Mark. So, as we may know, or our listeners may know, on August 16th of 2022, uh, President Biden signed uh, into law the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. And under the Inflation Reduction Act, taxpayers may receive increased tax benefits by meeting what are so-called the prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirements. Um, so by statute, the prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirements generally apply to facilities where construction begins 60 days or more after the date you mentioned, Mark, of November 30th of 2022. From a tax policy perspective, when we look at the prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirements, a critical piece to providing what were referred to as good paying jobs underneath the Inflation Reduction Act is offering enhanced tax benefits for a range of clean energy provisions that were contained within the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, it is by far our nation's largest investment in clean, green energy, uh, and a lot of the prevailing wage as well as apprenticeship programs uh, deal with energy efficiency deductions specifically with respect to our real estate and construction industry. And so from a policy perspective, by pairing climate investments with the creation of good paying jobs, the Inflation Reduction Act is really an unparalleled investment to not only fight climate crisis, which will help improve job quality in clean energy industries, as well as in the real estate and construction industry. Uh, so a lot of focus on uh, these provisions and the release or the initial guidance, as you highlighted, Mark, on November 30th of 22. And uh, now we are post that January 29th uh, magic date. and developers and, and real estate uh, clients and companies uh, need to be very focused on what, what, did, what is in this prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirements in the Internal Revenue Code. So 
Ron, what is the prevailing wage and how does the taxpayer go about satisfying the requirement? Great question. Uh, and that is a question, as you know, Mark, we are receiving probably 10 to, to 15 times pre-January 29th, and now we'll receive more questions. And so um, what is the prevailing wage and, and how do you go about satisfying this requirement? You know, for purposes of complying with the prevailing wage provisions under IRA, the, the prevailing wage refers to the minimum wage rates that a taxpayer must ensure are paid to laborers and mechanics performing construction of a facility, a project, a property, uh, even equipment um, with respect to that facility. Um, and in some cases, even alterations or repairs. So a prevailing wage is the combination of the basic hourly wage rate and any fringe benefits rate, which are paid to a worker in a specific classification of laborer or mechanic in the area where that asset or where that construction, alteration, repair is being performed. And these are ultimately guidelines that come from the Secretary of Labor. Um, with respect to what's often referred to as the Davis-Bacon Act. And so in order to satisfy the prevailing wage provisions of the IR Act um, and really achieve these, uh, quote, enhanced tax benefits, taxpayers must ensure that they and their contractors and subcontractors are documenting and substantiating the pay and fringe benefits are exceeding the prevailing wage rate. And that again is by job classification. So when we think about what the definition of a laborer and mechanic is, because that, that was a question, it really includes workers who perform primarily manual or physical work in trades or occupations, such as electricians and iron workers and equipment operators and truck drivers and general laborers. So very broad category. And each of those specific examples I cited actually has a specific, quote, prevailing wage that you must exceed and document and substantiate. So an electrician could be different than an iron worker who's going to be different from a truck driver who's going to be different from an equipment operator. Um, and so there's just a lot of new documentation and substantiation that is going to be required on the listeners of this podcast, uh, specifically to achieve those enhanced tax benefits underneath not just the energy efficiency deduction or the multi-residential credit, which are probably the two that are most familiar with in the recon industry, but really a lot of the clean and green energy provisions in the IRA dealing with solar and microturbines and other types of alternative energy are impacted by this prevailing wage and, and quote apprenticeship program. So in context of, of those requirements, um, what does construction and alteration and repair really mean? Uh, what are we looking at for that? Well, it's a great question. And, and so uh, I, I'd say there's still a little bit of uncertainty. The initial guidance that came out on November 30, as you mentioned, um, really brought us more questions than answers, but ultimately, you know, construction, alteration, and repair means really all types of work done on the facility, including altering, remodeling, 
installation, painting, decorating, um, you know, manufacturing of furnishings of materials that are in the asset or, or supplies and equipment on the site of the work, uh, transportation between the taxpayer's facility and an off-site facility um, dedicated that construction. And so when we think about monitoring and substantiating that we're paying in excess of the prevailing wage based on that job type, we actually also have to break it down between, well, what exactly are we doing on that job site? Is it transportation between the taxpayer's facility and offsite facility? Um, is it you know, painting and decorating or is it remodeling and installation? So it's very, very broad. And, and it's also not limited uh, to new construction or complete renovation of a facility. So construction alteration repair can, can include, as I mentioned, painting, even painting mailboxes is an example that's been used uh, to installing modular furniture that is fixed in place in an office uh, to actually even replacing, you know, uh, cores and turbines in the event we were dealing with a micro turbine or some form of a uh, you know, wind production facility or a hydroelectric facility. Um, but ultimately, what we know today is the definition of construction, alteration, or repair applies based on the scope of the work that is to be performed on the facility or the asset that we are speaking of or building, or as we've talked about, constructing and repairing or, or, or maintaining. So it's, it's a lot of grayness in what does construction alteration and repair mean, uh, but, but technically it, it really boils down to well, what's the scope of the work on that facility uh, and the type of work that we're doing and who is performing that work based on the laborer or the mechanic attributable that manual or physical labor. So um, a lot of documentation, a lot of substantiation, a lot of contemporaneous records uh, uh, look like they're going to have to be maintained to make sure you're, you know, maximizing the IRA benefits of an energy efficiency deduction or a multi-residential credit. So given the guidance we do have, um, you know, when when does the taxpayer need to ensure that they uh, pay the wages um, to, to qualify for the benefit? Uh, again, Mark, a great question. And so the IRA or the Inflation Reduction Act, um, as well as a IRS notice that came out last year called 22-61, really identifies the circumstances under which a taxpayer has to ensure that that prevailing wage or pay the laborers and mechanics. Um, so ultimately, ultimately, you want to qualify for the enhanced tax benefit. So a, a simple example is, is, is 179 cap D or what's referred to as the energy efficiency deduction. And, and that was a $1.88 per square foot uh, for an asset that was placed in service uh, prior to 12-31 of 22. But underneath the Inflation Reduction Act, coupled with the prevailing wage rate and an apprenticeship program, and we'll discuss an apprenticeship programs in a later podcast, but um, to exceed that prevailing weight, you want to do that because that $1.88 moves to $5 a square foot. So in looking at a facility of 100,000 square foot and being able to have that energy efficiency deduction at $188,000, 
When it moves to $5 per square foot, that's $500,000 of an additional deduction. So it's a it's a game changer. But that's why the criticality, if you will, of ensuring that you're documenting substantiation with contemporaneous records in all of the areas um, that you're exceeding those prevailing wage rates that are ultimately paid to that laborer, that mechanic. Uh, performing again that that construction, that alteration, that repair, specifically on where that site is located and where that facility is located. So, based on uh, what you you've kind of gone over, Ron, can you confirm for our listeners kind of what types of facilities um, is this going to apply to, and what they need to be on the lookout for? Now, it's a great question because again, this is one of these. Uh, very broad provisions that came in within the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, specifically to achieve those higher um, energy uh, credits or, or deductions. And so, um, to your point, you know, well, what type of facilities um, does this impact? Well, really, the construction, the alteration, the repairs, you know, we've kind of talked in broad terms, um, and to receive those enhanced tax benefits. Um, are really any facility that produces electricity uh, from certain renewable resources. So that could be a wind, a biomass, a geothermal, a solar. So if you're installing, as an example, a solar array on the top of your real estate asset on the roof, and you want to make sure that you're maximizing uh, the the credit, um, you're going to need to be paying attention to the prevailing wage in which you're paying your your laborers and your installers. Um, Really, it applies to also um, energy storage technologies, specifically in the recon and and what we see in our practice is really that energy efficient commercial building, uh, which is that $5 per square foot now. Uh, They've increased the deduction from $1.88. So as you are, whether you're constructing the building or whether you're renovating the building or altering the building and you want to achieve that $5 per square foot, uh, you're going to want to make sure that you're paying prevailing wage. And also, as we'll discuss later, including in your base um, of employees, the appropriate percentage of what are called apprenticeship programs. Um, There's it's any dwelling also that meets uh, certain energy star efficiency standards. Um, It also is applicable to qualified nuclear power facilities as well as any type of an alternative vehicle refueling uh, property. So when you think about those EV stations and and the construction and and installation of those, um, also impacts um, clean hydrogen facilities as well as uh, any type of a clean fuel production facility. Um, So it's very broad when you think about, you know, quote, the facilities that are going to need to um, be very detail-oriented as they are either constructed or they're repaired or renovated to make sure that you're claiming the maximum amount of these, uh, quote, energy uh, deductions, being the energy-efficient commercial building. But when we get into credits, also that now $5,000 credit on a residential uh, unit where it was previously $2,000, that also moves to 5,000, but to achieve that $5,000 per unit in a multi-residential apartment complex, 
if you're building it or if you're renovating it or expanding it, you've got to meet and exceed the prevailing wage uh, requirements. And so it's a, it's really almost any real estate asset that you can think of is going to be required if you were wanting to achieve those higher energy credits and deductions, you're going to need to uh, exceed the prevailing wage as well as comply with the apprenticeship requirements. So we've talked a lot about these requirements and, and sort of the properties that might apply to. Um, is there any guidance out there that's going to speak to what records are our clients and, our ta- and various taxpayers going to have to keep to document all this for the prevailing wage and apprenticeship provisions uh, to make sure that they're met and uh, that we don't have any um, problems meeting IRS requirements? So, again, that's where the rubber hits the road. And so the, the guidance that we do have in income tax regulations to date, uh, as well as the guidance, the initial guidance that's been put out by the IRS, really provides that any person um, that is wanting to exceed the prevailing wage and the required apprenticeship requirements shall keep the records sufficient to establish, among other things, and I'm actually reading from the regs here, the amount of any credit or deduction claim. Um, so that is actually the guidance. It's very broad. You know, shall keep the record sufficient to establish, among other things, the amount of any credit or deduction claim. So ultimately, the taxpayer, in theory, would therefore need to keep records showing that all of the laborers and mechanics, by job title, and by function that they were performing, have been paid the applicable prevailing wage rate for all of their hours worked to ensure that you have exceeded uh, the requirements in the, the Inflation Reduction Act. And so we'll go through a simple example is that, you know, the taxpayer could keep records that show the applicable wage determinations and then additional classifications and rates received that would come from predominantly the Department of Labor. But then the taxpayer would have to identify all laborers and mechanics who perform construction work on the facility and ultimately reflect the correct classification of that work performed to those hours worked in each classification and the specific prevailing wage rate that was exceeded for that work performed. And that also includes any bona fide fringe benefit contributions or cost. And and so as we discussed in an earlier question, you really have to first evaluate, well, what are the standards from the Department of Labor? And then ultimately, who are all my employees and what job functions are they performing? And exactly what are they performing in regards to constructing or renovating Um, an asset. And then you also have to tie that employee to that job activity, to that specific prevailing wage and their fringe benefits to ensure that you have exceeded those so that you're earning the maximum amount of the credit uh, and or the deduction. So it's quite a matrix uh, that to meet that simple definition of sufficient to establish the amount of any credit reduction claims. There's a lot in that when you begin to unpack um, sufficient documentation to substantiate. So uh, it's it's going to be a very complex matrix. 
All right. Well, thank you, Ron, for this first part in a four-part series on this topic. And uh, is there any other conclusions that you'd like to draw for our listeners today? Yes, and, and thank you, Mark, for that opportunity. And, and what I would say is, in general, taxpayers that wish to take advantage of the enhanced clean energy tax benefits that are literally in the hundreds within the Inflation Reduction Act must ensure that all their laborers and mechanics are paid the applicable prevailing wage, including the fringe benefits. That's very important. Um, for all of the hours performed during the construction or the renovation uh, or really any type of work, um, even repair work um, from the standpoint of uh, the repair that's being done on an asset or, or a facility. Um, and as we discussed, you know, a prevailing wage is really the combination of what's referred to as the basic hourly wage rate and any fringe benefits which are paid to a worker in a specific classification of a laborer or mechanic in the area where the construction alteration or repair is, is, is ultimately being performed. Um, and so, you know, for purposes of showing the compliance, I think for those listeners today, um, we wanted to make you aware of these compliance requirements um, that you have to maintain the records that, again, are this sufficient to establish. Um, and ultimately, Cherry Becker, you know, stands ready to help and assist you um, if it is a, uh, you know, a new uh, construction project or if it's a uh, renovation, um, as well as really any type of repair or maintenance um, that is occurring in regards to, to an underlying asset that you might be uh, owning and or building. So um, as, as we discussed, you know, those those records are voluminous and they're certainly not limited to simply uh, the items we talked about today around just identifying the applicable wage and identifying labor and mechanic. But but that underlying uh, requirement is going to be um, Unfortunately, uh, a, a labyrinth of, of a matrix and, and Cherry Becker stands ready to, to help you um, and guide you forward in regards to the, the prevailing wage. And in another podcast, we'll, we'll talk about and uh, the apprenticeship requirements that you also must uh, achieve and exceed. All right. Well, thank you, listeners, for joining us today, and uh, we look forward to hosting you in future podcasts.